0: And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Do you remember going to the fair
1: as a kid? What was your favorite part? Was your favorite part the the rides and all the different things you can do? Maybe it was hanging out with your friends. Or uh, maybe, like me, your favorite part about the fair was the food, right? Um, what, tell me this actually uh, in the comments area. Why don't, why don't you post, why don't you tell us what your favorite fair food uh, is or was when you were a kid? I know for me, I kind of, was kind of torn between the deep fried Oreos yeah you just bite into those and they just kind of melt in your mouth, or uh the other one for me was the funnel cake with all the powdered sugar all over it um, There's just something about the fair that uh there's no such thing as a diet, and uh it's all about praying over your food and asking God to take all the calories out before you dig into it but um But the fair, like one of the things that I remember about the fair besides just the food was this place called the the Fun House. Do you remember the Fun House? It was that kind of kind of building or structure that you would walk into and, and it'd be full of mirrors. It'd have all these kind of mirrors that were all wavy and and, and you'd walk in and you'd kind of lose your 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 spot. You wouldn't really kinda of know where you were. It'd be hard to kind of figure out how to, to get out of there. But one of the things with a fun house with the mirrors is it always made your body distorted, right? Like it was like your head would just be massive and then your body would be super skinny and then and it just distorted every part of your body when you looked at it. There was just, there was something about being in the fun house that, that wasn't normal. It, it made you not look normal. And this morning, as we began to prepare and, and, and pray about today, you know, I, I was thinking how much in our spiritual lives that, that we look through the lens of culture and it almost becomes a fun house for us spiritually. That when we begin to look at culture and 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 we're talking about what it looks like to have spiritual DNA and to what it looks like for our lives to 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 reflect God's character, that oftentimes what we do is we look at culture as kind of the mirror to evaluate the kind of life that we're living. And what often happens is, is that as we begin to go through this, this Christian life and as, as we begin to look at the mirrors of culture to evaluate the kind of life we're living, we, we begin to grow frustrated. We kind of oftentimes feel like we're just going through the motions. A lot of times what happens is, is that all these promises that we've heard people speak of and, and that we know that God has for us, that they always seem like they're just out of our reach. And so over the next 10 weeks, as we began this this journey through scripture, looking at this series called Spiritual DNA, what my hope is, is that, that, that we can discover what our lives could be if we would start allowing God's word and God himself and his character to be the mirror that we choose to model our life after instead of culture. If you got your Bible with you, or maybe your your, your mobile device uh, with you today, uh, I want you to look at Galatians chapter five, and then we're also going to take a look at John chapter fifteen. So Galatians chapter five and John chapter fifteen, and I want to remind you at the end of our service today, we're going to be receiving communion together, and so. Um, He could begin to prepare uh, those elements for that. But Galatians 5 and John 15. You know, I don't know about you, but science wasn't my uh, favorite course growing up in school, but one of the things that I remember in science is when we researched DNA, and there was something about researching DNA and discovering that it was our DNA that makes all of us unique that was really fascinating to me. I mean, think about it. It's the DNA that's inside of each one of us that it dictates our eye color, it, it dictates our voice, it influences our, our height and our health and, and our physical characteristics. I mean, all of those things physically and, and, and just the way that we react, those things are influenced by our DNA. But oftentimes what we don't realize is that there's also spiritual DNA, And the Apostle Paul writes about our spiritual DNA when he's speaking to the Christians in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, what Paul is telling these Christians is, is let the Holy Spirit be the mirror of your life. He's saying, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Now look at this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Another way to say that is that those two forces are constantly fighting each other, trying to keep you from being able to fulfill God's promises and purposes in your life. You see, these two forces that that Paul is talking about here or our spiritual DNA. One of those forces is what he refers to as our sinful nature. It's that, it's that flesh in us from the very beginning. Like, like, like think about the, if you've got kids this morning, what was the first word they said? Most of them was mine, right? It was mine. It's that, that sinful nature inside of us. It's all about ourself and all about the things that we want. And it's that sinful nature that that really causes us to do things in our life and influences us to do things that are, that are harmful and detrimental to us. And Paul says that there's another force in addition to that. And it's a force that, that you and I, that if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, it's a, it's a force. It's this new nature is what the Bible calls it. That, that is the, character of God that is deposited within us and and it's deposited I like to think of it this way in seed form meaning that when we receive this new nature from From God. It's this new nature that is is opposing. It's it's fighting, as Paul is saying. There's that flesh nature that's wanting to pull us away towards things of culture and towards things that are selfish and all about us. And and then there's this new nature that is fighting against that, that's trying to lead us in the direction of God's promises and purposes for our life. But but it comes in seed form. It's something that has to be matured, it's something that has to be developed. And that's why when you you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, it's not, it's not like all of a sudden you, know, you don't sin anymore and all of a sudden you don't make mistakes and you're not tempted anymore, but you've got this new nature and it's that other voice that's inside of us that are saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should get up this morning and, 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 and get on the couch and get our pajamas on and our cup of coffee and, and, and watch a church service instead of sleeping in. Or, or maybe I shouldn't go to that party. Maybe I should hang out with some of my other friends that, that, that I know are doing the right things and trying to do the right things. It's that new nature that's inside of us that, that is trying to pull us towards the promises of God, but that new nature is in seed form. It's something that has to be developed. It's something that has to be nurtured in our lives. And what Paul is telling us here in Galatians is that those two, those two natures inside of us, that they are they're constantly at war within us. And Paul goes on to tell us what our behavior and our character, what it what it what it looks like when we're being led by these two natures. I mean, we probably don't need Paul to explain. We can probably have a good sense of of what those two look like in our lives, but it but it helps to see what he says here. In verse nineteen he says that when you follow the desires of Your sinful nature, that's that's that mirror of culture and and how we kind of model our life after what culture says that we should do. It says this, that that those results in our life are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, which, which means we're putting other things ahead of God in our lives, sorcery and hostility. Quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambition and dissension and division. I mean, does that sound like culture today? He says envy and drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like these. In other words, what Paul's saying is that this isn't an exhaustive list where these are the only things that we do when we're allowing the sinful nature to to rule in our lives, but he's saying that this is kind of of that category of the things that we begin to see. And Paul tells these Christians in Galatians, he says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life, now look at this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That anyone living that kind of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, friends, that's a powerful statement that Paul is saying here. I mean, in essence, Paul is telling us here that that how we live our lives, that how we live our lives, that it really does matter. Like, I think, I think one of the biggest lies in our culture today, especially as it relates to, to Christianity, is that, that we can raise our hand and we can pray a prayer and then, and then we can go back living our own life and doing our own thing. And what Paul's trying to get at here is that, that no, it doesn't work that way. That when we accept Jesus Christ under our heart, we receive this new nature that That part of the Christian life is allowing God to to begin to weed out the sinful nature and to begin to water the seed of his character in our life so that as we begin to to grow in this journey, uh, in our relationship with God, that we become more and more like Christ. And then we see Paul, he draws this, this strong contrast in Galatians 5, by describing what, what God's DNA, that new nature, when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart that's deposited inside, he draws this contrast of what that looks like when that Spirit is operating within us. In verse 22, he says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. In our lives. And if you got your Bible, I want you to circle that word produces. And I want you to notice who is the one that's doing the producing. Right? The weight, the responsibility isn't that, that we've got to be perfect and that we, we have to, to, to live these things out. But it is what we're going to talk about in John 15. It's about staying connected with, with God and with Jesus in our life. And, and he begins to be doing the one, the producing of these, these character traits in our lives. And Paul says this, that this kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces, it's, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. I mean, friends, think about the world that we live in right now and think about the society and the culture and, and all the voices and all the things that, that that it's telling us if you're a college student or a high school student, middle school, whatever, and, and all your friends and all the pressure, the peer pressure that, that surrounds you going to school and just trying to live your life. And, and you can see right here the contrast, the difference, the two forces that are wrestling and battling each other, the forces of culture that... That's all about divisiveness and fighting and arguing and and parties and all that stuff and, and and the fruit of the Spirit inside of us that's all about all about love and it's all about joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control. And then Paul he says in these next few verses In verse 24, he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, look what they've done. They've nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature. Their sinful nature. They've nailed that to his cross and crucified them there. And In verse 25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, Paul says. What a challenge that's about to come before us from from the Apostle Paul to all believers. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in whatever parts of our lives we want to. No. He says, look at this. He says, every part, circle that in your Bible this morning, Every part, our school life and our dating life and our married life and our political life and our social life and our work life and our church life and our hobby life, like like, what a challenge that Paul is laying out to all of us as followers of Christ. I mean, is that even possible to Is it even possible to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? And if that is possible, then how how do we live that kind of way? Well, I think Jesus gives us a great insight into how we can live our lives that kind of way in John chapter 15. And I think John chapter 15 is super important for us as we begin this journey in this series called Spiritual DNA, where we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the reason why I think that John 15 really has to be the foundation of everywhere that we go moving forward is because it helps us to see that these fruit of the Spirit aren't just something that we're able to do because we try harder. Like it's not just about us being a better person and, 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 and loving people better and loving our spouse better and being more patient with our kids and all those things, but, but it's about being connected to Jesus. And as we as Christ followers allow ourselves to be connected to Jesus... That he begins to take his character that is in seed form within us and begins to water it in such a way to where we begin to look back at our lives and, and kind of like my story of where I used to be super angry and getting fights all the time and, 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 and now when I begin to tell people my story they 're like, well that, i don 't even see that in you, and it 's not because i 've tried harder, but it 's because i 've allowed the Holy Spirit to water the seed of his character within me and, And that only happens through us being connected to Jesus. And so in John 15, we see Jesus beginning to talk about this, this vine, this idea of the vine and the branches. And I think what's important for us to understand is a few chapters before that in John, John 13 that we see Jesus here and he's, in the, he's at the Last Supper and it's the last time that he's gonna sit down with all of his disciples there in the room. It's right before he gets crucified, right before he's arrested and he has this last conversation with all of his disciples just 24 hours or so away from being crucified on the cross. Now I want you to imagine for a moment yourself And I want you to imagine that that somehow, some way, you're you're able to know that you've got 24 hours left to live. I want you to think about what you're going to say to your family members and those that are closest to you. I mean, that's a moment, I know it sounds a little morbid, but but I want you to think about the reality of that. That if you and I were to know that we were on our last breath and we had 24 hours left to, to live, that that what we say and what, what we depart, the kind of the kind of knowledge and the kind of influence that we leave with those that are closest to us, that it would be something that we would give thought to. We would be very intentional about the things that we say and how. How we say it, because our hope would be that the significance of our words would make an impact in their lives for the rest of their lives. And this is what Jesus is doing in John 15 to all of his disciples. He understands that that it's the last few hours that he's got, and so Jesus is choosing his words wisely. And I want us to look at John 15, and I want us to see how you and I can follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Jesus says in John 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Now That's an interesting way to say it. I am the true Vine, And I think the reason why Jesus is telling his disciples, and I believe he's telling us today that he's the true vine, is because he understands that there's a lot of false vines out there. There's a lot of things that we, that we connect our lives to that end up sucking the life out of us. Things that we connect our lives to that end up stealing and killing and destroying God's purpose for our life. I mean, I think about success and how we chase after success and we try to, to climb the corporate ladder to end up getting there and realizing that we lose our family and in, in the process or, or relationships, you know, we, we think if I could just date this person or I could just marry this person or I could, I could have these popular kids in my social circle that, 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 that I, I would be happier and, it, and then we realize, we come to find out how fickle relationships are because the the first moment that we do something that they don't like, they turn their backs on us. Or what about in this kind of social and cultural environment that we're in, the politics and political parties, they're false vines. Like like we actually think that, that one of the parties is telling the truth and the other one is lying. Like they're both lying. I mean, they're both wanting... Power. They're both wanting prestige. They're both wanting kind of influence. I mean, politics and political parties, they're both false vines material things in our lives. Like, like we look at somebody else and they got this nice house or nice car or, or boat. And, and we just think, man, if I could have something like that, I would be happier. And, and then we find ourselves under the weight of the debt that it takes to have it. And, and we realize that maybe those things aren't as important as we thought that they were. I mean, I'm 44 years old and I've discovered in my life that there's plenty of false vines that I've connected my life with. And I'm sure you watching today that you've experienced that even in your own life. And, and Jesus is saying here in John 15 to his disciples and, and to us, he's saying, don't get connected to all those things, but instead connect yourself to me he says, because I am the true vine. He says in verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you, that no branch can bear fruit by itself, that it must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In other words, that love, that joy, the peace, the patience, all those character traits, they're, they're produced in us because we're connected To him, that it's less about trying harder to produce those things and it's more about being connected more to Jesus. in verse five, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. I don't know about you, but I've reversed that a few times in my life. And Jesus is like, no, I'm the vine and you're the branches. That if you remain in me and I in you, that you will bear much Fruit. And then he tells all of those disciples there around the table, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's Jesus saying to those disciples and what's he saying to us today? I think he's saying that the vine that we're connected to determines the fruit that we produce that the vine that we choose to connect to determines the fruit that we produce. He says in verse 8 that this is to my Father's glory, that this is what brings my Father glory and pleasure, is that you bear much fruit. Look at this, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples. Friend, what Jesus is telling us here, that it's, it's not church attendance that proves that we're his disciples. It's not how many scriptures we have memorized that proves that we're his disciples. It's not how many songs we don't need words for. It's, it's not the good deeds that we do. It's not even our, our bumper stickers on our cars. Like none of that proves Whether we are a disciple or not, it's the fruit that we produce in our lives. And then watch this. A few verses later, and this is huge, and I kind of want to close with this before we receive Holy Communion together this morning. This last part is huge because Jesus is now shifting to tell why it's important for us to live this way. He says in verse 11 that I've told you all of this so that, look at this, circle it, my joy may be in you. Like I've told you all of this about staying connected to me so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I mean, isn't that amazing? That Jesus knows, he knows the burden of this life. He knows what it means to live apart from him. And so his plea to the disciples in the last hours and his plea to you and me, especially in this season of our life and and everything that we're experiencing in society and culture, I think his plea to us as Christ followers is remain in him and bear much fruit. And why do we do that? What's the promise that you and I have when we stay connected and allow his fruit to be developed within our life? He says that his joy will be in us and that because his joy is in us, our joy will be complete. In other words, friend, you're going to love life. It's not going to be like life is going through the motions. It's not going to be like it's a constant roller coaster. But because we stay connected to Jesus and he develops his character traits within us, that, that we're going to feel like we're living a life that's on mission for a purpose, making a difference and an impact in the lives around us. Friend, real quick, before we receive Holy Communion together, are you curious this morning, which fruit is more prominent in your life? Are you kind of curious, like if you had to rate yourself between zero and 10, kind of what your rating is, as far as, as am I looking at the mirror of culture or am I looking at the mirror of God and his word in my life? Well, here's a way, here's a way for you to be able to rate yourself Take a look at the last couple weeks of your social media posts. (laughs) You're like, no, he didn't. He didn't go there. Yes, I went there. Take another look at the last few weeks of your social media posts and then evaluate according to Paul's challenge for all of our lives. Are we following the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? including our social media post, Friend, I think in this kind of climate, in this season, that that's a pretty good indicator of how we're doing in this area. And here's my challenge to you is that, that God's grace is such, he's not the God of a second chance, he's the God of another chance. And so if you know that you've been drifting and you've been looking at, at culture as the mirror for your life, that, that all it takes is it takes a moment to go before the Heavenly Father and to ask Him for forgiveness and to allow Him to begin to start watering those seeds of His character in your life again. I want to lead you in a prayer to do just that this morning, and then I want us to receive Holy Communion together Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, your word can sometimes be a challenge in our lives. And God, I pray that right now, Lord, as we've come together through technology and with the desire to to grow in you, Lord, if there's any area of our life that is out of alignment with you that is not pleasing to you, Lord, if we've allowed some of this sinful nature stuff to, to, to begin to, to work its way into our life, Lord, right now. Friend, right now, wherever you are, tell the Lord, say, Father, forgive me. Say, Father, forgive me. Father, I want your character to rule and reign in my life. And so right now in this moment, I repent for the sin that I've committed. And Lord, I give you the green light. Lord, I give you permission to begin to do in my life what you have desired to do from the foundations of time. Lord, I thank you this morning for another chance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friend, I want to encourage you to to grab your communion elements this morning as we begin to, to partake together. You know, as we began to, to move into this series on the fruit of the spirit next week, we're going to talk about love. And, and when I think about love and I think about agape kind of love, that's the love that that God has given to each of us, that's the, the love that Jesus had on the cross when he sacrificed his life for you and me, that, that this morning as we receive these elements together, that, that it's not just going through the motions, but it is receiving his agape love in our lives. You know, Scripture says in Corinthians, it challenges us to examine ourselves before we receive communion and so right now I want us to do just that if you would if you would grab your element I want you to I want you to bow your head where you're at close your eyes and I want you to just still yourself between you and the father right now and I want us to take just a moment and I want us to I want us to go before the Lord I want us to ask him for forgiveness of things in our life that might not be of him and And I want us to just kind of take that moment right now. So would you do that with me? Father, we thank you for your son. Lord, we all stand or sit before you today as sinners, Lord, saved by your grace. Lord, we all have things to ask for forgiveness for, and so today we do just that. And Lord, as we come before your table and we receive Holy Communion together today, Lord, I pray that it will be a reminder of God, all that you've done in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. In verse 25, that in the same way that he took the cup of wine after supper, saying that this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his blood and his body. Lord, today we come before you. Your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. And so, Lord, right now I pray over all of my friends and their families, Lord, who are sick in body, who are going through some difficulty. Lord, I pray for those that are in the hospital now, those that have been in the hospital. Lord, you know who they are. Lord, you know what they're facing. God, I pray, Father, for your healing in their body. Lord, I pray right now for those that are facing financial troubles and difficulties. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would begin to move and provide in their lives. Lord, I know right now, those that are watching, Lord, that, that we all have something, God, that we are believing you for. And Lord, I just pray that in this moment, God, that you, the peace of your Holy Spirit would rule and reign our hearts, that, God, we would know Father, you are in charge, that you're at work behind the scenes, at work in our lives. Father, I pray over all of my friends, Lord, that they would have an amazing week this week, that, Father, they would sense your presence closer than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, thanks so much for joining us today. If If you are a guest, make sure you click on uh, the guest link. We would love to hear from you. Just want to reach out this week and say hello. We promise we won't show up at your front door or put you on some spam uh, newsletter list. We just want to reach out and say hello. Also want to mention thank you to all of those that continue to give faithfully. Uh, You can do that. There's a giving link that will be uh, there in the comments area that you can click on, or you can continue to mail uh, your tithes and offerings into the church if you'd like. Well, as we leave, let me pray this prayer of blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.